This is Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. It's Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Office Hours. Office Hours. This, of course, welcome, welcome, welcome to the official Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. We're doing a very special Blockbuster Film School Office Hours this evening in which we speak about the finest of the films, The Criterion Collection. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes Funny yes. thing of The Criterion Collection is mm. when you watch it, mm. you have to watch it with your pinky raised. Yes, of course, yes, of course, as well as a very fine bearskin cap on. <laughs> well, I don't use condoms. <laughs> As you solve mysteries. Yes, of course. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner, your beloved professor. Joined, as always, by the sneaky, clever, I would say, mercurial, fancy pants, hot boy, Professor Mr. Nicholas Souder. Failed our community college three times. Thank you. <laughs> Nailed it. We're going to do a little office hours for you this evening. That is about, as we just mentioned, the Criterion Collection. If you are unfamiliar with the Criterion Collection, well, what kind of movie nerd are you? We're not going to shame you. We're going to reveal something to you this evening. There is a little thing started by French people. It is called the Criterion Collection. It is... Movies that are made by auteur. What is auteur cinema? Auteur, en français, is author cinema. Truly where the director in post-World War II cinema really began to have power. And an auteur is someone who makes a movie that is truly their own. It is truly their own style and the Criterion kind of worships this. and Yeah, a.k.a. the Criterion Collection takes movies, but tours, movies that will never make money in the cinema, and gives them a new home. Yes. Some of them do. Michael Bay has a couple <laughs> movies on there. Does. RoboCop's on there. RoboCop's on there. So let's say 75% of these movies yes. did not make a goddamn <laughs> dime. Uh, I would say 75% of the movies are Akira Kurosawa movies. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> the rest are John Sales. <laughs> but these movies Roman found Blansky. a new... Don't bring it up. These <laughs> movies found a new life in the Criterion Collection. Absolutely. Where people go, what's this? Oh, I love you. True. Amazing packaging, I will say, when I first started to notice it. And really solidifying this idea of auteur cinema in Western civilization. Very good description of it, Nick. I agree. A lot of these movies didn't make money, but Wes Anderson made some money back in the day. My very first Criterion movie that I ever bought was Rushmore. Nick, what was your very first Criterion? You're going to be shocked to hear this. Uh-oh. Was it? Was it? Was, it? it was Rushmore. <laughs> uh, I. This is why we're at Blockbuster yeah, Film School. And- Super producer Brian Tepps, what was your first? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a very good Terry Gilliam movie. Terry Gilliam, also I think every movie he ever made is on the criteria, as a true auteur. And we should have one little caveat. There are a lot of movies on the Criterion, but not all of them are on the new awesome Criterion channel that you can watch streaming. And we chose three movies from the Criterion streaming that we think you should check out that are pretty dope. Also, Criterion, if you want to give us some money, please. We're the Blockbuster Film School. The love of God, Criterion. We're the greatest film school in the history. I'm a of the world. flagship subscriber. They sent me a metal <laughs> card. Just and then 
I'm not even kidding. A month later, I couldn't afford to keep subscribing, so I canceled it. And then I rejoined two months later. And they sent you a cease and desist? They were like, no. They sent me the card again. <laughs> like, here, you give your quit complaining and emailing us and crying on the phone. Mm-hmm. They sent me it again. And then another month later, I was poor again, so I canceled it. This is my longest new on-again, off-again relationship mm. where nobody cares about the other person. <laughs> it's kind of like when I went to the Cub Scouts as a child just so I could get one of those knives. And I was like, when do I get one of the knives? And they're like, you have to become a higher level Cub Scout. And then my mom explained to me that I could just buy a Swiss Army knife at the store. And I didn't know that yet. And I was like, the fuck am I even doing this for? I thought this was like a samurai sword. You got one from the Cub Scouts. This is bullshit. All right, so... We're going to give you a couple of sweet Criterion picks. One from a flagship card-carrying member, Mr. Nicholas Souder. Oh. One that on my tombstone. <laughs> All right. I will not make a frozen pizza joke. Here we go. Nicholas Souder, would you give us your first Criterion pick that some of our students need to watch? Need to watch. I'm going to go with... Me and you and everyone we know. Miranda July's first movie. It is a story about society. It is a story about loneliness. It is a story about (sighs) just not knowing what the fuck you're doing Mm. and just going for it. It is bizarre to say the least. If our listeners are familiar with Miranda July at all, they won't be surprised. (laughs) She's a weird-ass woman. Yeah. She's weird as shit. <laughs> I am completely in love with her. But <laughs> that aside... Nothing creepy about that? <laughs> okay, I'm not completely in love with her. I haven't been taking Polaroids of her for years. I said, stay out of my goddamn room, Alex. <laughs> Anyways, no, seriously. Miranda July is an amazing artist. She writes Agreed. great books. She makes amazing movies. Mm-hmm. Me, you, and everyone we know. It's a weird moment in time that it'll exist forever. Yeah. Like, it's literally just, like, you can change the album they're listening to. You can change the CDs. You can modernize it. You can fucking change it so it's old. Mm. But it's just humans trying to connect with people, and that is never ending. And also, it's one of those moments where I remember the process of seeing the movie, (laughs) and it's just as good as the film. I went to the Landmark Century Cinema with two of my friends, one of them I'm still friends with. Also... To, were you guys uh, high? We were so fucking high. <laughs> let me let me rephrase this. We were so stoned. We're at the landmark. I remember going up the elevators, the escalators, actually. that's I'm high now. Anyways, we get up to the counter, and this is a very long movie title. Mm. First person goes up and goes, one for me and you and everyone we know. And she gets her ticket. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked. <laughs> and then Jess Rose walked up. It goes, one for the same. And I was like, oh, perfect. That's all I got to do. And then she gets her ticket and walks away. And I walk up and I go, one. She goes, hold on a second. Shift changed. I was like, are you serious? I'm too high for this. I can't do this. And then some new dude shows up with a new till. He goes, what would you like? I go, one for you and me and everybody here. Nailed it. It was great. It's really well done. But... Miranda July is a very distinct artist, Mm. and this is a very distinct film. It is different from the rest of her films. Last year, she just had the movie come out called Kajillionaire that is also worth watching. You have to pay money to see it. But for now, Mm. watch Me, You, and Everyone We Know. Literally watch all of her films in a row. 
just consume her art chronologically and watch as it gets weirder, but somehow more sane and just more simplistic and more complex. Because if you follow her, you can see her career just and her art just merge into something amazing. Interesting. I would like to see it again. I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it at the Sinarts in Evanston, which is still one of my favorite secret art movie theaters because it's attached to a, like a big budget AMC movie theater. It's very strange. Yeah. The only thing I remember, though, is as I came out of it, uh, Richard Roper was in the bar that's there, and I yelled that he was a poser. Yeah, that's I all remember I that, too. <laughs> also, super producer Brian Taps was born in Evanston. <laughs> that's true. And we don't hold it against him. No, no. He's a fabulous person. All right. Very good call. I would like to watch that movie again. Uh, my first Criterion Collection movie that is streaming is a movie called Eight and a Half. It's a movie by Federico Fellini. If you don't know anything about quote-unquote absurdist film, you don't know anything about Federico Fellini, it's time to watch one. And Eight and a Half is the one to get in on. It's a movie about making a movie. It's also about a movie about a guy having a dream about making a movie. It's about a movie, a guy who's having a dream, who's having a movie, who's having a dream about making a movie, who's a guy who's failed at making a movie before. He is dreaming. Maybe this movie works again. People are after him. He's dancing around. He's dancing through the streets. He's dancing through this movie. He's making a movie. He's Federico Fellini. Is he, is this movie what you think it is? I don't know. It's one of the most psychedelic, wild experiences you can possibly have in the most in my mind, electric, bingo, nail the bullseye Federico Fellini thing. It's not exactly a movie, but it's maybe the coolest movie you've ever seen. <laughs> what the shit are we watching? I don't know. I watch the whole thing, and I think about it all the time. If you've never seen Eight and a Half, it's kind of the perfect Criterion movie. It is true authorship. I don't know if it could really be shown on a, a big budget AMC screen and people would like it. But when you show it to anybody you really trust who likes art and you who are now listening to Blockbuster Film School, I assume like art, this is something for you. Do you like Eight and a Half, Nick? It's a masterpiece. It is. It's a scar on everyone's brain who's ever seen it. <laughs> when it's like a really cool scar. It's like it an, is. It's like being branded by the king of the Italians. <laughs> But not like an Italian who's super fascist. No. It's literally the sunglasses, mm -hmm. the cool hair, yes. the cigarette, the espresso. Ciao. The ciao. Well, you're like as you're walking away from a woman in a fountain. Which is their version of like in America, you walk away from a building exploding. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, she's in there again. In Italy, you light a cigarette and walk away ciao. from a woman, a super hot woman in a fountain. Yeah. Like, I'm not enough in love with you like oh man but eight and a half is so good it, and you described so it perfectly please explain to the nine criterion nerds what exactly the title means it is about the the millimeter they're using but it's also about the amount of movies they're making it's about the numbers of dance steps they're using it's about how many stories are going on at once i that's what i got from it what do you get from eight and a half at that point, Fellini had made eight and a half movies. Exactly. Because right. he made a short, yeah. Right. But then the eight and a half dance steps. The, exactly, yeah. like, I mean, he literally was like, I'm going to use a number that is bizarro to explain a movie. Yeah. 
And he's yes. the original King Crimson. Yes, and yes, and it's it is a movie timing. about him where he gets a. It truly, you know, as we talk about these things where there are directors who get a more handsome actor to portray themselves, both male or female. Oftentimes, the director is less attractive than their star. Big surprise, but when Tim Burton uses Johnny Depp. He's using someone, and this is truly maybe the first time that someone had meta done this where Fellini chooses one of the coolest actors in the history of Italy, Marcello Mastroianni, as Guido Anslamiani, who is basically (laughs) Federico Fellini as he... Makes a movie about himself with this guy who is also making a movie about himself. His eight and a half movie. What is your new movie? Master Federico. And he's like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) So he makes a movie about how he doesn't fucking know what the movie is. It's so electric. It will fly by. If you want to pick up your spirits, watch eight and a half. I mean it. Any other takes on eight and a half? As an Italian. Yes. This is sort of like... James Acaster talks about how, like, he lives in London. Yes. And tourist spots sell Mr. Bean masks you can wear over your face. (laughs) In Italy, and Italians, for them, it's like filterless cigarettes and those sunglasses. Those sunglasses. That's what it is. I think I cut my hair that way. I saw the strokes at Park Mm. West, and I was like, I truly know the definition of cool now. Yes. This is the coolest show I've ever been to. When you watch Eight and a Half, you're like, oh. That's what fucking cool is. I once saw a thing where Godard talked about how after World War II, Italy was kind of down on themselves. And then Federico Fellini came about and he said, what if we were just cool? And that's how Italian art came back. They were like, look, we don't have to worry about any of the fucking weird past shit. What if we were just cool? And... I dare you to watch a Fellini movie and not think it's cool. I dare you. I dare you. All right, Nick, what is your second pick on the Criterion Collection? Well, I'm going to go in a different direction, but I'm going to keep it fucking Italian. Ooh. Montebella. So to the younger folks, this might come as a shock, but uh, Bravo and IFC... Used to show movies. That's what? Yeah. <laughs> and not of not your toddler is in Tierras. No, not, you know. Your toddler is a sex criminal. <laughs> going back to our last episode, Katy Perry <laughs> is Jamine Ramsey. Anyways, <laughs> this is a little before eight and a half, but mm-hmm. same time period. Much darker, but something more simplistic and dire, and also just a statement on capitalism. It's Umberto D. It was directed oh, by Vittorio De Sica. Yes. It's a yes, film about a man, yeah. old man, who is being kicked out of his room, basically. He's renting in this apartment complex slash old people village where they're just raising the money. He doesn't have the money. They're cutting Social Security. They're cutting funding to old people. You know, they're not letting people live. No. So he gets sick. He gets out of the hospital and his room is gone and he has to go. He has to go on a journey. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. He's got a dog. The dog's the most important thing. That's his true companion. That's his life. He has to decide. What is this movie? He has, huh? Where, sorry. 
He has to decide how is he going to hang on to his life or if he wants to or not. It's dark and depressing. It's hilarious and uplifting. And it's got one of those ambiguous endings where it's like, you can just watch it and go, well, fuck. Or you can watch it and go, all right, cool. I'm going to be okay. What is the title of this movie again? Umberto D. Oh, yes. Okay. It is... I'm literally writing it down again yeah. because I, I haven't thought about this movie in a while. Again, just like me, you, and everyone we know, I remember the afternoon. Bravo used to be on 44 on cable. Mm. I remember it was after school. I came home. I'm flipping the channels. I was like, oh, that's an Italian. <laughs> and I turn to my mother and I go, Siva. And she goes, don't call me that. I'm your mother. I go, Mama. She goes, Will you stop? Mama, mom. She goes, You were born in Chicago, asshole. Let's <laughs> forget. I'm like, Have you seen this? She goes, No, just leave it. And we watched it and we were fucking captivated. We didn't even get it from the beginning. We had to wait like six hours or eight hours or whatever because Bravo just kept, sh- this is why they weren't making any money. No, they yeah. were just like, You missed the beginning? Wait out eight hours. We're going to show it again. <laughs> so. This is the past, children. When you this is the wait past. To oh, my God. <laughs> it stuck with me. It's been fucking, you know, 25 years. I don't know. I don't know how long it's been, but this movie is burned in my brain. It's worth watching. Take the experience. It's not going to be a joyride, but <laughs> it is worth the trip. Fair enough. Umberto D. Deal. I'm in. Just so you guys know, I think there's 965,000 movies on the Criterion, and um, it's not quite that many. It's kind of an elite group, but I think there's somewhere around 500 movies. And uh, I have not seen Umberto D, and thank you, Nick. I am going to watch it. Of course. I'm going to watch it. Um, My second is a movie called Suburbia. It was directed by Penelope Spheris. That name rings slightly familiar to you. Uh, she directed, most popularly, a little movie that is one of my all-time favorite movies. It is a movie called Wayne's World. Is it the guys from the Uber Eats ad? <laughs> Wayne's World Party. Uh, it is one of the greatest movies of all time. If you've never seen Wayne's World, you're a moron. I'm going to put that out there. I want to say something. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen Wayne's World, either A, a moron, mm. or B, you're a young person. That's fair. Don't be a moron. Or see, you grew up in a cult. That's fair. But for cult people and children, it is time for you to watch Wayne's World. It yes. is, still stands up. It is still very funny. And something I always liked about Penelope Spheris' directing that kind of came from Suburbia, her first real fictional movie, she directed a couple of documentaries about punk in the late 70s, early 80s, called The Decline of Western Civilization, which I love as a title. And it is one of the, she was truly punk rock. It truly tells you the story of how punk worked. And Mike Myers loved her shit so much that he brought her on to direct Wayne's World. And it still has that rock effect, but still punk. It is not the 1996 Suburbia. It is the 1983 Suburbia. And Suburbia is one of the wilder movies I've ever seen Flea is in it, Chris Pedersen, Bill Coyne, a lot of people who it's about these kids get kicked out of their house. All of them get kicked out of their house and they have to go exist in the punk rock world. It's time. And you would think this would be a dark story. It would be a sad story, but it is not. 
It is a story. It's dark on how you may see it, but not in the way that it is perceived. And in that authorship, the lens, they don't see it as bad. They see it as good. They see it as uprising to get out of this shit and be part of something nuts. And I always liked her magical realism. I always liked the way her movies flow, even Little Rascals. It's still good. I like Penelope Spheris, and I think Suburbia is one of the wilder movies you might ever see. Have you ever seen it, Nick? Not the whole thing. It's wild. It's wild pants. Uh, Super producer Brian Tepps, you ever see it? You guys like punk rock. You guys like punk rock music? And I'm tell- um, I like post-punk. <laughs> I like exclusively post-punk. Yeah. Uh, look, there's so many things that are taken from this. But it's such a funny and heartfelt movie, and I feel like that's something that Spherus has a way of doing that works so well where it's always funny. It's always funny, but there's a little more soul to it than you even register. Just like in Wayne's World, there's a little more point to it. There's a little more anti-corporate edge. There's a little something to it that as you're laughing, it worms into your brain, and forever you can't really get real jobs because... You would rather do Wayne's World, Blockbuster Film School. All right. Nicholas, what is your third and final criterion pick? My final pick is from a personal hero of mine. Ooh. I love a filmmaker who goes, we have $30 on an iPhone. Nail it. Let's get Meryl Streep. <laughs> this is a film by oh, man. I know the one I mean. and only Steven Soderbergh. This is from 1996, yes. A true auteur. Steven Soderbergh, he came out fucking hot. He made six lives on videotape. He won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. He did. And then he made a bunch of movies that just crashed. So he's like, I quit. I'm going to (laughs) go home, and I'm going to refigure out everything. Right. I'm going to find George Clooney. (laughs) That's later. But that's later. Yeah. (laughs) In the meantime, he made Schizophilus. Which he directed, he produced, he yes. wrote, he fucking started. This is his only starring role. Mm. He co-did the music with his constant collaborator and one of my favorite composers. I fall asleep to his music all the time, Cliff Martinez. Love it. He also did a cinematography, and he Always. co-edited it. These are all things that Steven Soderbergh would eventually do. He is multiple names. Yeah. He has all these aliases. He shot and edited all those Ocean's Eleven movies, mm-hmm. those Magic Mike movies, yep. the movie with Channing Tatum, Logan Lucky. Out of sight. Out of sight. He shot, wrote, and directed it. And it's not like when Robert Rodriguez does it, and it's crap. Steven Soderbergh <laughs> is a true auteur. Mm-hmm. He is a true fucking filmmaker. Schizopolis is a non-linear 90s fucking chaos film. Yeah. It literally one part. One sequence in the movie has its own language. He has an amazing scene where he just makes faces in a mirror and you're like, oh, he doesn't care. But it's just like, oh, he doesn't care. No. This movie, okay, it has not aged well because it is super 90s. But when you get past the super 90s part. I love it, though. This movie is completely insane. (laughs) It's hilarious. It's in your face. It's super fucking meta. Yeah. It's about relationships it is him and his wife speak only in like literally like oh hello i am here for consumption oh how was work 
generic response. And then they show the other side of it, and he's speaking Japanese, and she's speaking Dutch, or she's speaking English. It's about communication. It's about death. It's about idols. It's about everything, and that's the problem with the movie. But also, that's what makes it perfect. Because (laughs) Steven Soderbergh, more than anybody, Mm. is prolific because he's not afraid of tanking chances. And this movie, from like here on out, is where he started taking all of the fucking chances. Schizopolis is, you know what it is? It's fucking post-punk. It is. It's electric. It really yeah. is. And I love that Steven Soderbergh is such a gangster. He really is. Here at Blockbuster Film School, we will have a Steven Soderbergh episode. Maybe two-part episode, very possibly. But, man, he is, as you just said, you said it perfectly, he is not afraid to take chances. And every time you think he's down, he's not. Every time you think he's out, he doesn't care. He'll, yeah. He will literally make a movie on an iPhone. He will make a movie with a VHS camera. He does not care. He will make a movie, and it will be good because he's Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Every time he has a personal failure, he goes, how do I pivot? Yeah. And then he comes back with Changes something Hollywood. so fucking good. Yeah. He made um, Out of Sight, right? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't Out of Sight. It was The Limey. Yeah. So he's. Oh, he, The Limey's one of the greatest the movies. The Limey's one of the greatest my... movies ever made. Yes. Also nonlinear. But keep in mind, at this point, he didn't start making these fucking movies that were making hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. He's making The Limey and um, Terrence Stamps in it. Absolutely. And a, for the, tell them I'm fucking coming. Exactly. Fucking, um, for the flashbacks, he wanted to use the actual footage of, from oh, his younger films so because good. he's a genius. And Warner Brothers is like, oh, you could use this clip. He goes, look, you give me the fucking movie to use, mm. all the clips I want, or I don't make Ocean's Eleven for you. They shipped him the fucking movie <laughs> like fine in an hour. <laughs> like, take whatever you want. Make Ocean's Eleven for us. And then he did. His when movie, you used to have to ship a movie, you didn't yeah. just send it by email. Exactly. <laughs> His movies, according to Wikipedia, have made $2.2 billion at yeah. the box office. Yeah. None of that movie money came until after Schizopolis. Yeah. Schizopolis is amazing. I'm so yeah. glad you brought it up. And it truly is, I would say... If you want to see the Soderbergh ethos of the things he's capable, it's Schizopolis and the Limey. They are what Steven Soderbergh really is capable of that no other filmmaker is capable of that I know of. Yeah. I will watch both of these movies on my deathbed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll watch them on your deathbed as well. All right. Keep your hands off my respirator. (laughs) I will do my third and final one. Also, real fast, I want to acknowledge something. Do it. Just on a personal level. Mm. Usually we go over what our picks are. For the Criterion one, we're like, let's just surprise each other. Yeah. And I could not be more happily surprised (laughs) and not surprised with all of our picks because (laughs) they are great films, but also... I'm glad you picked yours. I'm glad I picked mine. I agree with that entirely. I yeah. think it's why we have the Blockbuster Film School. Brian Tepps is nodding. Also, I said this out of sincerity, but it's also a setup. It is. So you'll, you'll set up for a My joke third when and you final one, one is not Michael Bay's Armageddon, which is on the Criterion. Yes. Okay. And The Rock. I don't want to fuss it. I don't want to fuss it. you, baby. All right. I'm not going to do that. I am instead going to do one of my favorite movies of all time. It is on the Criterion Collection. 
it genuinely, I rented it from Blockbuster when I was a child because I liked the box. It was in the foreign film section, which I was like, hmm, interesting. And it led me to one of my favorite filmmakers. I went to the library to look him up and it led me to, I had to go to the library, not Wikipedia. It led me to the French New Wave and that he was the gangster of the French New Wave. It is a movie called Le Samurai. Oh, I hate that movie. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) I dare you to not like this movie because it is a combination of French New Wave and action, crime and neo-noir and another Criterion movie, Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog is a full-on mega homage to Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai. I don't know how this guy came up with this. I have no idea. I wonder if it was based on... He was old enough where he knew people who were involved in like the French underground in World War II, and I wonder about these things, but man, okay, Le Samurai is based on this idea there was a hitman for the French mafia but he's weird. He doesn't talk to anyone. He doesn't do anything that is outside of the Bushido, the ancient samurai code. It's the only book in his house. When you go into his house, he has a bed, a chair, a table, a bird cage, which is very interesting, with a bird that he loves, and Bushido, the book. And he operates under the samurai ethos. He doesn't disrespects people. He doesn't mess with anyone. He doesn't attach himself to anyone, so he doesn't have any problem killing anyone. It's such a wild idea. And he is an assassin. But then he is sent to kill someone. He has rules because he's a samurai. He only kills people for his master who are deserving of death. And when he is sent, he ends up in this situation And the person he's sent to kill is this woman. And she is not deserving of death. The whole situation is messed up. And he has to then process whether or not he will honor the code and kill the person he was sent to kill or honor the code. And he honors the code and doesn't kill her. And then after that, they come after him. And the only problem is when you come after a weirdo, who lives by a warrior code, who does nothing else other than sit around exercising and getting himself ready to kill. He's not that easy to kill. And it literally created sort of all of these things that we have in action movies now. It is one of the coolest action movies that has ever been created, and it is a French New Wave movie. There is so much, like, subtle little things of guys trying to find him and figure out where he is, but... These guys are part of the regular world that we live in. They don't process that this guy just sits around in silence all the time listening to how birds might slightly change their tune if somebody's coming or how the sounds of different shoes are on the walk outside. He's such a weird, lonely character. He's such a strange individual character. It is... I'm going to stop because I could just effusively talk about Le Samurai and how nuts it is and how I watch it at least once a year because it's one of the coolest movies ever made by humans and I defy you. Like, there's nothing boring about it. There's nothing that has any of the weird French New Wave problems. 
It's one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. Have you guys ever seen Le Samurai? When I signed up for, mm. when I think of a flagship member, mm. just to bring that back, the two movies I watched before I had to cancel and ran out of money <laughs> were Le Samurai and The Night Porter. <laughs> oh, also great. Also great. Super fucked up. Yes. But. Uh, yes. Melville, his stuff is. Yeah. Also, yeah. he did not shy away from violence. No. He did not shy away from mayhem and political things and relationships between men and women, relationships between humans. He brings up a lot of interesting points in all of his movies. And if you are unfamiliar with Jean-Pierre Melville, do yourself a fucking favor. Because when people started to make more poetic, cool action movies in Hollywood, like James Cameron or David Fincher, or I mean, across the board of cool, more poetic action movies, these guys all watched Jean-Pierre Melville movies. Yeah. That is 100% a fact. And uh, Ghost Dog, which is also a great movie. Yeah. Which is basically the same movie, but from a different perspective. Yeah. Any other takes on any of our Criterion movies there? It's cold or it's not. But either way, February, January, and March, just scream for movies. Yes. Buckle down. Yeah. Immerse yourself. Yes. And just, you know, accept your new religion, <laughs> which is cinema for cinephiles by people who don't care about anything else <laughs> other than movies perverted shit and getting high and not perverted shit in like a terrible way, No, but perverted in the way that art shows you lives and shows you meaning and shows you fucking the other side. It's voyeurism, but it's like voyeurism where it's like, Oh, I don't have to hide in a closet with a video camera, (laughs) even though they know I'm in there. And also Soderbergh definitely started that way. Yeah, but, you know, he evolved. <laughs> he did. Now he's in somebody else's closet with an iPhone. Absolutely, and he asked them to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's Julia Roberts and George Clooney. <laughs> but all I'm saying is buckle down and just give in yes. to all the nerdiness and all the abstract thoughts mm. you have been trying to avoid during a pandemic. Just fuck it. Yeah, and watch some Criterion movies. Truly, start your real deal deep knowledge of real deal film school. It's a great way to start. It's kind of, I think it's how we kind of started, to tell you the truth, was the Criterion led me down some interesting paths of, oh, wait, there's some movies outside of Hollywood, outside of what's on cable. There's some very, very important, and also beyond important, really electric, badass movies. All six movies that were said here are movies that should be watched. They are not like movies that will not be interesting to see. I am telling you this. All right. I'm Alex Bonner with Mr. Nicholas Souter, as well as super producer, Brian Tepps. What's that, Brian? Oh yeah. Criterion collection. Give us money. Yes. Yes. That's right. Well, follow us on uh, Instagram particularly and uh, check us on a Patreon. Follow us, rate us. We would love it. We love you guys. Whatever you do, just listen. Absolutely. We appreciate you listening, especially this far into it when we're doing the plugs. And we heart you. Tell your friends. And we will see you next week here at the Blockbuster Film School. Remember to do drugs and have a grand old time.